Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. My name is Chase. I'm here with my good friend Jacob, as well as producer Isaac. Thank you for that napkin. I got beer everywhere. I mean, I got an unnamed beverage spilt all over the table. That's right. This is a G-rated show. <laughs> for the most non-G-rated league in the world. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm good. It's been a it's been a couple weeks. This kind of has happened a couple times throughout the season, but it's all right. It's all right. We always we always say, you know, it's difficult when this is like your third part-time gig that we do, but we I, was, I crave it, you know? It's like I look forward to it all week long, sitting down, chopping up some MLS. <laughs> We've missed a lot. We... <laughs> what do you like, mean, dude? Like a lot of... Uh, it's just playoffs. I don't know what you're talking about. There's like nothing else going on around the league. So, Red Bulls got eliminated. <laughs> That's the biggest news. <laughs> St. Louis got eliminated. Vancouver got eliminated. Can I just say, uh, I'm... Last week. Pick one... What team are you happiest to see get eliminated from playoffs? Because that's the type of show we are. We like to celebrate people's failures. Happiest? Um, I don't know. Let me think about this. Let me look at my bracket. For me, it's St. Louis. I, I mean, I had them going through. I just love to see them finally, like, face the reality. Because I think all season long, their fans have been just so annoying about how, like, just way too cocky for what they are. And I think they got figured out towards the tail end of the season. And then the fact that it was the eighth seed SKC with the old salty dog PV, Peter Vermees at the helm that just completely undoes like their whole season and just like lets it crumble in front of their fans. That's what I love. Like they're Four they just one. fell apart in front of their fans. Four one at St. Louis's stadium was pretty wild. Um, yeah, I I was gonna say St. Louis, but I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm pleased Vancouver's out. Honestly, I've been harping all season that Brian White is not gonna deliver in a big game, and so I was right. I don't know why you're such a Brian White hater, man. I'm not a Brian White hater. I'm just I I was never sold on Vancouver being that good of a team. Ryan Gold and Brian White both together. Yeah, they're great. But it's the blue collared working man's front two right there, dude. There's nothing blue collar about Vancouver, BC, dude. <laughs> That's the richest area. But Vanny Sartini is a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Did, Anyways, did you see this game? So they lost the first game five two, which we covered. The second game they lost one zero at home. It was their biggest ever crowd. It yeah, was, they finally took down the uh, the tarps, the tarps, and the caution tape that was keeping people away from which <laughs> the was, upper deck. That's it was been. cool to see like an actual buzz in, in the city. But they lost one zero. It was a dodgy penalty. It was just a dodgy game all over. LFC goes up, but. Vancouver has a chance at the end on a corner kick. Did you see that clip? Yeah. Yeah. So Vancouver has a chance pretty much the end of the game. And it's a corner kick. Gets delivered in. LAFC gets like a half clearance out. 
and I don't know who it was on Vancouver, but a player's charging up to like hit a volley out of the air on the top of the box, and the referee just like absolutely body checks him, like backs up into him and just like body checks him and flattens him, and then proceeds to spring LAFC on a counterattack, which they go and they score. It was later, um, you know, ruled not a goal. I don't, I don't know exactly how that referee was going to let it stand on the field. Cause it seemed like he was content with like letting it stand. Um, and then the Vancouver team just like surrounded him. And it was one of like the weirdest, craziest things I've ever seen happen, but it was really funny at the same time. Yeah. It was probably, you know, it was a, it was a good spot for Vancouver to get a chance, but the likelihood that that would have resulted in a direct goal, I feel like, is kind of low. How do you know that wasn't goal of the season contender right there? I mean, you're right. The potential was there, certainly, but I don't know, man. I've, I wasn't really sold on Vancouver this year, even though they beat our team twice um, comfortably. Cascadia Cup winners, dude. But they never really seemed like they posed that much of a serious threat and so they they played two playoff games this year and it's going to be heralded <laughs> as a, like a big success but I just don't see it and this is a team I'm rooting for by the way but Vanny Sartini in the post game oh, think gosh. about this I haven't heard if he's gotten fined yet but because it seems like something that should be but afterwards this game Sartini like asked the cameras and like the media if like if the tape is rolling you know the cameras are on then he says if referee Tim Ford is his name ends up found floating face down in the creek tonight the cops are going to look for him wow <laughs> so I yeah mean, that's a completely emotionally developed and stable human being right there <laughs> what kind of psycho comment is that dude Just, it, it, he named specifically a creek <laughs> in Vancouver too like he thought about this definitely <laughs> Also, imagine, like, being that, murdered by a Muppet like that guy. <laughs> just wearing a tight T-shirt that says, this is Vancouver, and he just... He just, as he's, like, choking you, you out, you just hear, on <laughs> That is a I feel like, psycho thing to say, dude. I feel like Vanny Sartini's weapon of choice would be, like, one of those big inflatable hammers you get at, like, the, the fair. Dude, that is... That would be one of the worst things ever to see, like, right before you die, is Vanny Sartini's face. <laughs> oh, man. That poor ref, like, okay, he made a mistake. Like, you think his family's, like, you know, you know, he's he's out there, he's refereeing a game, you know, he's making a living. You got Vanny Sartini, like, threatening to murder him and throw him in a creek. Yeah, that's kind of nuts, because... I've I've always been of the thought like I understand like when fans say that like I don't agree I don't condone it but it makes more sense when you have like fans saying stuff like that but when you have like the leader of a like a whole club like the figurehead comes out and says stuff like that it just like makes everybody else feel like that sort of behavior is okay within that club and that's just that's crazy dude that I can't I didn't know he said that but that's absolutely insane does that make you clown of the week? Oh, without a doubt. He, he was already like clown of the season just <laughs> for being him. But just imagine like next season 
like what is he what is that how is that ref gonna handle like refing a Vancouver game like if I was him it's not the most professional thing I would probably throw a couple of shoddy calls in there you know try and get my revenge a little bit on the guy who threatened my life because yeah. I you mean the made guy? an accident had an oopsie in a game playoff game sorry Sorry, team. Van- sorry, Vancouver couldn't score a single goal the entire game or not Was it foul somebody in the box. Was that referee's fault that you uh, got scored on five times in the game before that? <laughs> Three that- of which which were set-piece goals. Maybe four, actually. I is that, forget. Is that what happened, Vanny? <sighs> oh. I got my second clown of the week, though, <laughs> and it goes to a fan base. Um, New York Red Bulls hosted Cincinnati in a must-win game. No one talked about they definitely choked. They choked hard. They were up in this game. Tom Barlow scored the go-ahead goal for the Red Bulls. And then... Never would have thought you'd hear that name. It was like the most Red Bulls way to lose a game. So they're up in a game, a must-win game at home. Crowd was pretty decent. You know, you were making fun of me about this. But anyway, Red Bulls have a free kick around the halfway line. And they just ping like this terrible ball and instantly get counter-attacked on and Bupenza scores, game's tied. And then in the penalty kick shootout, I think they had two chances to win the game, and they missed, and then Cincinnati ends up winning. The clown of the week, though, does not go to Matt Miazga, who plays for Cincinnati, the former Red Bulls product, who was like taunting his old fan base, but goes to the Red Bull supporters for throwing crap on the field. We already talked about this a lot. I'm a I'm a hater of fan bases that are throwing garbage and stuff on the field. And Red Bulls fans, which I don't know if I've heard them doing that before. At least it doesn't get att- attention as much. They were Did, throwing um, projectiles. Does it does let me try and boost the the case for Matt Miazga being clown of the week. Did you hear about him like breaching the referee's locker room? Yes, I did. And being forcefully removed. You want to expand on that? I mean, from what I understand, still under investigation, but after this game, there's allegations that Matt Miazga gained unauthorized access to the uh, referee locker room and had to be forcefully removed. What he was doing in there, why he went in there, still unknown. So you're you're going Matt Miazga... I mean, who's the clown of this game? I'm going the supporters for throwing garbage and stuff at the Cincinnati supporters. I think that's a stupid thing to do, but I think Matt Miazga's a clown because he's he's now suspended for the next playoff game. Single elimination. Yeah. Single against, elimination against Philly. Probably, well, I don't know if I'd say the best team they'll face on that side of the bracket, but probably one of their team. harder challenges. And like, yeah. This is a huge, like, I feel like if they get past this game, they'll have the momentum to kind of keep going. But I don't know. That's just a clown-filled game there. Love to see it. Still, though, I think overall clown of the week's got to be Vanny Sartini. That's an absolute joke. Threatening to murder a ref. That will get you the top spot. I would have loved to see Vancouver go through, though, and then just see the Vancouver-Seattle. Like, our two rivals, I would I obviously don't want to see either of them go to the conference final, but the mashup of Vanny Sartini and Brian Schmetzer, that would be a really fun, like, 
brawl to see happen. Does Cascadia officially have, we'll touch on this a bunch later, but does Cascadia officially have the weirdest trio of coaches? You got Brian Schmetzer, Vanny Sartini, and Phil Neville now. Yeah. Picture picture being locked in an escape room with those three. Why do you always bring up the escape room, dude? Like, <laughs> Because it, I just recently did one in the summer, and I feel like it, it tests, it tests relationships. Yeah, I'd say Brian Schmetzer would just be annoying and probably useless. Vanny Sartini would be trying to pawn off a bunch of the work on the rest of us. Like, say we all got to pull our part. And then Phil Neville just... I have be bossing you around and yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have very few positive words for Phil Neville, but I don't know. I mean, are we should we dive into that now or should we wait until after? I say we cover the games go first. Through the games. Um, another series wraps up. Orlando beats Nashville on the road um, for the second straight victory, so they win the series uh, with two wins. Nashville bounces out of the playoffs. This was, I know you picked Nashville going through this round. Mukhtar and Sam Surridge, but especially Mukhtar, have been pretty cold lately. Yeah, I feel like Nashville's just been figured out. I was hoping they would refine their uh, League's Cup form and they would be able to hold it down and play a nice tight game, but wasn't the case. They're just they've been disappointing this last quarter of the season I'd say probably ever since League's Cup I think they've been pretty disappointing to watch yeah I forget the stat but they've been shut out like six times in the last month and a half or so they just haven't been able to score goals and yeah that's what happens when you rely on one single player pretty much to score goals for you the last three seasons he goes through a rough patch and there's nobody else what Fafa Pico gonna you're talking about Diego Valeri with the Timbers. Oh, man. I don't even know why you brought that up. Um, <laughs> next one. So, yeah. Orlando City goes through. I completely derailed your whole <laughs> your whole thought process with I, that. <laughs> I had nothing else to say now. Um, New England Revolution and Philadelphia Union. Philly wins on the road. That gives them the win on the series. Philly goes through. New England, though, just that that's a train that derailed pretty dang quickly. Did you see Mark Anthony K's red card? I did not. I didn't get a chance to catch that game. So, you know, must win game, obviously, at home for the Revs, and it's a big game, Gillette, playoffs. They need to win. You know everything they've been through this season. Mark Anthony K just decides to, like, trample on – <laughs> God's dog, the union player. And then he kind of complains and says, like, I didn't do anything. Gets a straight red. His team concedes. Season's over. Uh, I mean, I feel like there wasn't much hope for New England anyways. I don't I don't think they had much really going for them for the rest of the season. If you're, if you're being honest, like, I think as soon as they got rid of Bruce Arena, they had no chance of winning a trophy this year. So where did the Revs go? Because they put in a $15 million bid to sign Phil Neville from the Portland Timbers as their new coach. Um, 
No, I, I don't know, honestly. Like, I, I see what you mean because they're in a weird place with their roster build right now. They got great pieces, in my opinion. You know, they got Dylan Barrero's been out pretty much the whole season. That's an exciting piece. Carlos Hill still proving to be pretty good. Dave Romney, Henry Kessler is a pretty solid center back pairing in MLS. Yeah, and I mean, they just signed uh, Tomas Chancole, which is probably, I'd say, their most promising piece right now. Probably the most exciting player they have. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they, they, they have a lot of good pieces there, but I think they need to almost restructure and start building for the future again. Kind of like so? they did a couple years ago. I think this is one of the... If you were an MLS... Or you were a coach looking at the... However many vacant MLS jobs open, this would be like top of the list for me because attendance actually has been going up for the revs. But yeah, you look at that back line, Jones, Romney, Kessler, and Farrell. That's pretty solid. You've got Noel Buck. You've got Matt Polster, Chancale, Carlos Hill, Gustavo Bo, Ian Harks. Uh, the Maroney. only the only thing I would say is I think Carlos Hill's kind of regressing, like he's getting worse. Gustavo Bo wasn't exactly the best striker this year. He's kind of like a flash in the pan, like throughout the season, just comes and goes. Um, Tomas Chancale, really good player, really solid, but you're starting to get into like Nashville territory of like you have one guy who's going to, you're going to really rely on to carry you. Cause I don't think Carlos Hill is going to be able to put up this type of numbers he did the past two years. I think he's going to regress even further next year. I mean, he had a pretty good year, 11 goals, 15 assists this year. That's pretty solid. How did his numbers look after Bruce arena left? Um, I'm not sure. Let me look at that. I'll look at his last 10 games or so. Last ten games, he got two, three, about four goals and about two assists. So, not terrible, but not terrible. Not great. Uh, definitely felt like a shift, both culturally and on the field for the Revs. As soon as Bruce got the boot. And, I mean, he's 30, so he's not necessarily getting any younger. But, I don't know. I would, I mean, I would agree. I think the roster isn't in a terrible place, but uh, not necessarily the club that they were a couple years ago. I think they need to do a little bit of reinvestment in that, that side. Love to see the any revs get a, a good segment on the MLS Net Boys pod. You're a big revs guy, though. I feel like you you pull for the revs pretty hard. I love I love clubs that that have been around for a while and haven't won anything. <laughs> <laughs> Them especially. Hey, the Colorado Rapids won an MLS Cup. The revs have been to five MLS Cups and lost them all. So I saw a tweet <laughs> online and it was showing like every season's winner of the MLS Cup since the inception of the league and 2010. You know, the Rapids won the MLS Cup from an own goal from FC Dallas in <laughs> Toronto when there was a neutral host. And somebody just tweeted, like retweeted it and said, how did we as a society let the Colorado Rapids win <laughs> MLS Cup? Well, 
looking at the trophies that New England has, and we're not going to count Eastern Conference because the, the conference championships have been proven to mean nothing. doesn't really mean anything The anymore. league doesn't even really care about them. They were U.S. Open Cup champions in 2007, and then 2021 they won the Supporter Shield, which has also been proven to not mean anything to anybody in the U.S. Freaking Americans. But, uh, yeah, I... It's just, it's to me a dead club, and I think getting rid of Bruce Arena made it worse. Dude, I think I think that is what killed New England, in my opinion. I don't think they're gonna get better next year unless they get like a a really good, promising coach. See, this is for me like there should be plenty of options. Like if I was Robin Frazier, or you think they hire Robin Frazier to come in with that group? Robin Frazier, dude, they're looking at MLS experience names. That's a disaster. You think he'd do fail there? Or I don't think he would do good. I think he'd have a much better roster than he had at Colorado on paper looking at he it. He has been kind of boned at nearly every club he goes to. He's been kind of screwed over. I think we went over this. Colorado. Geo, I mean, I if don't, they get Geo, he'd have a great defense, which is something he doesn't have didn't have in Portland. You tell me you take Dave Romney over Larice Mabiala? Yes. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> okay, Larice Mabiala now for sure, or last year even. Um, I don't know. I, I love to see the Revs do good. You know, they rebranded. Like I said, their average attendance has been up. They're spending more money. Once they get a stadium, like a proper stadium, I think they'll have like a, a sporting Kansas City-like feel to them, like a like a packed environment, like the club will feel like reborn almost. And not just playing in the cavernous Gillette. I don't think they will get a new stadium. Are they building one? There's been rumors forever, kind of similar to... I was going to say, because isn't the same owner as the Patriots? That's why they just play in the same stadium? It is the same owner, but there's been long-awaited rumors for the uh The area around Gillette Stadium is perfect for a game day, though. It's, it's set up, like, amazingly. It's kind of similar to... Um, Lumen Field, like the area around it is just, it, it works really well. It's very spacious, makes it very easy to get in and out of the stadium. Yeah, the the club has announced like it's a top priority. I mean, they've been saying that since 2010 is the quote, but uh, there's an article that came out just a few weeks ago that they're looking at specific property um, about... 22 miles outside of Boston for a soccer specific stadium. So, hmm. I mean, NYCFC has got official plans to build their stadium for it to open in 2027. So, if they can do it, the Rev should be able to. True. True. Anyways, that was a little bit of a <laughs> last, side trail there. Last team to cover, well, two more that have been eliminated <laughs> Rail Salt Lake. And the Houston Dynamo finished their series, and it ended in PKs in a hot night in Houston. Not that hot, actually. But past two games they played ended 1-1 and went to PKs. Moon Boy heating up at the end of the year. Diego Luna um, showing that he's a big game player. But Houston still wins and goes through to the <laughs> next round. Moon Boy missed a penalty in the last game. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, I think everybody... 
kind of expected this. I think. I mean, RSL didn't have Arango for the first two games, or was it just the first game? I know he was back for this last game, um, but Houston's just the hottest team in the league right now, and they haven't really lost in I don't know how long. Because I mean, when you look at the game they lost to RSL, it was in what was it? it was PKs like after playing just a full ninety and then finishing? So right. So. Yeah, Arango came off the bench. Um, another one I want to focus on, RSL, because we probably won't talk about them for a while since they're out. Houston goes through. We've raved about Houston for a bit, but what about RSL? Because they've got Savarino, they've got Arango, they've got Gomez, the winger, Anderson Julio, Diego Luna. Like A lot of solid pieces, but... Once again, do you think this roster is in a better spot than New England? It's tough to say. I think they're I think it's pretty similar, honestly. I think if RSL endured as chaotic of a end of the season as the Revs did, I mean they did get to about the same spot. I mean and RSL had a tough outing though. I will say they played Houston, who I would say is a better team than Philly at the moment, but do you think they move on from Pablo Mastroeni? Because, I mean, other than that run in 2021 where they went on that underdog run, it's been first-round exit of the playoffs two years in a row now. It's tough because I feel like RSL, what they need to do, they have a, a really, really good piece in Chicho Arango, um, and then they have a pretty solid just like squad depth everywhere. I think they need to like reevaluate their DPs because Savarino is one of their DPs, right? And he kind of like went through like a weird period in the year where he just wasn't playing. Like, He's a little loony. Frozen out of the team, didn't want to defend. I think they need to reevaluate their DPs, trying to offload what they can, keep Arango, of course, and then try and identify players that like if they brought in like a a star center mid. Or, you know, a star center back or somebody to, to kind of pair. I mean, even like another star like attacker to center pair with. back? So Brian Vera and Justin Glad aren't getting it done back there? <laughs> Made my thoughts on Justin Glad known <laughs> on this podcast. What a big that, Justin that Glad is a guy. Pretty, that is a pretty young back line, though, when you look at the two of them, like 26 and 24. I think so, there's a lot worse pairings for center I mean, backs in the league. Two guys that if you just keep them paired together for the next four years, they're just going to be a lights-out back line. But I think they need to reanalyze their their uh, their DPs and maybe, you know, if they offload Savarino and bring in, like, a 10 or somebody that can just, like, feed the ball to Chicho, um, I think they'll be set. I think they're in a great spot, honestly. And I, I don't think they need to make a coaching change. I think give Mastroini another year. And um, with Arango for the full year and, you know, give him a couple more pieces and see what happens. To be fair, also, Pablo Ruiz has been out for the season for a while now. Probably their best midfielder. Mm-hmm. So that definitely makes a difference. Savarino's last two seasons, so he, you know, was at RSL and then left in 2019 to go to Brazil, came back in 2022. This year and the season before, seven goals, six assists. Not terrible. But that DP level contribution, right? Precisely. 
we've seen many other players who aren't DPs around the league put up those same numbers consistently. I mean, that's like Dyron Espria levels right there. <laughs> that might be a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, I, I would offload Savarino if I was in the RSL front office. I, I would dump him and, you know, bring in a uh, Jesse Lingard or <laughs> come with the Sandy Utah who's in, <laughs> doing his stupid dances. Who's, in, who's some other free agents right now? Maddie uh, Longstaff. You already told me before we were nah, starting. Dude, I'm saving that for the Timbers, man. So Dyron Espria this year had five goals, five assists. So he had three less gold contributions. For probably like a third of the wages as well. I mean, I don't, I don't want to look up the wages right now, but honestly, you're not wrong. So, <laughs> last eliminated team, I got one player that I want to give a shout for RSL. Let's hear it. That I think would be electric. Anwar El Ghazi. That would be such a random signing for him to go to RSL. Dude, bring that guy in on the right wing. You already got Diego Luna on the left. You got Moon Boy, and then he got El Ghazi on the other side. Dude, that sounds like a weird, like... Like an indie nine, Like a 90s, like, cartoon that, like, our parents would have watched or Moon something. Moon Boy and El Ghazi. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a cartoon a... network. Like, it was. It would play, like, right after Cat Dog on Nickelodeon. Moon Boy and El Ghazi. <laughs> like a weird like middle eastern tv show <laughs> like a middle eastern like superhero like cartoon or something like sidekick <laughs> that would be an electric just lo- like link up right there i would love that oh anyways moving on last but not least um seattle sounders beat fc dallas in their final game Knocks out FC Dallas of the playoffs and sets up a matchup with LAFC. Um, once again, we're gonna. I want to focus on the losing team because I think it's more fun. Because, like I said, we're not gonna talk about these teams probably for a while. But Dallas was destroyed by injuries. Both their starting fullbacks were in were out. Jesus Ferreira missed this game. Alan Velasco missed this game. I mean, they lost 1-0. They didn't have a shot till the 89th minute. It was just a rough outing. <laughs> I'm looking at their back line, and it looks like somebody sneezed on a keyboard. You got Junkwa, Tafari, Ibiaga, and Tuomasi. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that there was no hope for just Dallas. people slotting in point. all over. You know who I forgot? Who who put in the distance? Ilya Mendy, the Real Madrid yeah. former. Jaramendi. He, he played for uh, Real Sociedad for a really long time. I forgot he even went to Dallas. I mean, yeah, he, I don't think it was like not really turning up too many. Uh, Eleven games <laughs> hasn't really assist, done much. But so, what does Dallas do from here? Because I mean, once again, what is is this team really going to be winning? I think you can't really come up with a plan for them until you see what they do with Jesus Ferreira. Because if they sell him, then they have some, I think, some pretty big surgery they need to do on that squad because they have not been good unless he's in the team. Um, and I know they have Alan Velasco and they, they have a pretty good youth academy, but 
I don't think there's any way they can just keep hitting. I mean, when you think about guys that have come through the youth academy and been superstars for them, you have Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, before that, who who even really came through? I mean, Weston Palm. Weston McKinney came through there, but he never really played for them. Tommy Cole has been one of their best ones, uh, and he's yep. still there. I don't think he's gonna go to Europe, honestly. Reggie Cannon, uh, Brian Reynolds, shortly after Justin mm-hmm. Che. So, yeah, but I, I wouldn't put them at the same levels like a Jesus Ferreira or like a Ricardo Pepe, because those guys were single handedly pulling this Dallas team, versus like Reggie Cannon and. More pieces. Yeah, they were just kind of depth pieces, I think, that filled in and, like, won the starting role out of lack of, like, other players being there. They got Paul Oriola though, to <laughs> slug him through. So, yeah, I, I think their plan kind of hinges on what happens with Jesus Ferreira. Um, if they sell him, obviously they're going to need to they're gonna need to do some surgery and uh, try and bring in a striker that's going to, you know, give him the... Blas Perez effect and just lead them forward. The Matador? <laughs> El Matador. Hey, but I've got a question for you. Hit me. Jose, Joseph Martinez, it's already been announced. He's, <laughs> what are you laughing for already, man? It's already been announced he won't be returning to Miami. If you're FC Dallas. No. If Jesus Ferreira has an offer to leave, and it's a good one and you take it, would you take Joseph Martinez? In Dallas, I don't think so, because he's kind of washed. Like he's <laughs> he's not really that good anymore. Um, I think he looked better at the end of his time with Miami because he had Messi there. Who? Uh, <laughs> just some Robert Taylor, some Argentinian fool. Um, but he's also just kind of a guy that causes problems everywhere he goes. <laughs> So, like, why would you want to bring that into, like, this squad that seems pretty healthy right now? I know a guy who can mess that up. (laughs) You don't think Nico Estevez could handle just Yosef Martinez screaming at him in the locker room and throwing... I I think it would Catering tables? I think if you were to do it, like, say Jesus Ferreira doesn't get sold until, like, right at the end of the transfer window, and you're scrambling and you need somebody, and he's still a free agent, and he's just kind of hanging around... I would try and sign Maxi Arudi again. Uh, <laughs> he's he's looking for a new club, I believe. But no, if you absolutely had to sign Joseph Martinez, I would do it on a one-year contract at the very like bare minimum of what we could pay him. Still get him there, because he would probably score. I would say 10, 10. 10 goals. That's what I was thinking. Maybe more, um, depending on service. I mean, because he has Paul Ariola whipping in balls and. For as short as he is, like Joseph Martinez is surprisingly good in the air. Good in the air. Like he's got that the Darren Maddox, he's got the Ryan Ferry in him, dude. <laughs> oh man, um, here's here's what I think. So Love that we just <laughs> equated Darren Maddox to our friend Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he'll be listening to this. He'll be proud of that analogy. <laughs> um, so. I don't so if if Ferreira were to leave, you're right. That's definitely the big plot of the off season for them. I can see him leaving, honestly. I feel like they've like is there anything Ferreira really wants? I mean, this is like his boyhood club to be fair, but I don't see a path for them to win a championship at the moment. Yeah. 
I think for his trajectory personally, him going to Europe makes sense, especially if he wants to be in the national team picture. Dallas, to me, I don't see splashing on a big striker from overseas. I can see them going within the league. This, I feel like, would make sense to me. You're going to hate this. You're going to absolutely hate this. Nia's go to? <laughs> no. Um, although I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. But Jeremy Abobasi, he's got one year left on his contract uh, through the 2024 season, and he's kind of, dare I say, cooled off. Because Ibobisi hasn't really, the last end of this season, lit it up in the league, right? So last year, he had a decent amount of goals. He had, I want to say, 17. Yep. Last year, he had 17 goals, 3 assists. So a goal every other game. Pretty dang good. This year, he had 10 goals, 4 assists. Honestly, not bad, right? But he cooled off. Like, pretty hard. So, in his last, like, 20 or so appearances, going back to June 17th, actually, we'll just say end of June, or start of June, he scored a whopping four goals. So, about a goal a month. Yeah, and that's kind of hard to tell, because, like, San Jose cooled off during that whole time period as well. So it's hard to tell, like, was that, did San Jose cool off because of his performances or did his performances cool off because, like, the team as a whole wasn't providing as well for him. But, I I mean, I, I would, I could see him doing well in Dallas, honestly. I think he, I think, I don't think he'll ever go to Europe, but I think he'll just be, like, a good striker around MLS. I think he's going to be, like, in the, dare I say it, Kai Kamara mold of like the next Kai Kamara. <laughs> he'll kind of bounce around these different teams and he'll just like never tear up any trees, never going to be mentioned in the national team, never going to be like talked about as like one of the greats, but it's just going to be consistently putting up goals. Like, he, like a, I'm trying to think of like a timber striker that we brought in, like Jack McInerney. That was who out Jack McInerney, like guys like that, that you just bring in that, you know, will do a job for you. They fit the culture. But well. the the only thing I would say is like, he could, be, he'll be a starting striker everywhere he goes. I don't think he'll ever be a backup again. Yeah. I, I can see him going to Europe. I think I know when he was at timbers, there were some offers for him. Rumored offers at least. To well, like okay. I meant league. like a good Europe <laughs> place though. You don't rate the great league, I don't super league. Count the Swedish A league, or something. Whatever <laughs> it is. Um, how about this free signing? I'm hitting you with all the the free agents today for Dallas. This seems like a move I could see happening. Actually, little boy born in Cuckfield, England. <laughs> is that your hometown, man? <laughs> Dom Dwyer. Wow, that's not who I was expecting you to say. I was expecting some washed up Premier League player. Uh, dude, I think Dom How about a Dwyer, washed up MLS player. I think Dom Dwyer has run his course within Major League Soccer. I see him going to like what? Has he been a free agent for like a year and a half now? Like, uh, he was at Atlanta last season. Uh, right? Last season, yeah. He, he's been a free agent so most of this year. So he's been. Here's what I see Dom Dwyer's career trajectory. <laughs> I forgot he was at Dallas in 22, 2022, actually. He was? No way. Yeah, he, was at, he went from Dallas to Atlanta. 
did he he didn't even play for them, did he? I doubt it. Oh, I no, highly he, doubt it. He no, was he just, didn't. He was just there and then had his rights traded almost immediately, probably. So that I, I think that puts him out of the conversation. For Dude, he's, al- he's already he knows the club, <laughs> right? He understands the culture. He could come back, make a difference. No, Dom Dwyer, <laughs> I see like maybe getting like a like he won't play for another year. He'll be like kind of training with like Orlando City because that was a big or, or sporting maybe just as like a practice squad member. And then I see him going to like Las Vegas Lights or Orange County or something like that. Uh, maybe the Canadian Premier. I think he Prim. goes to the Canadian Premier League. All right, we're th- we're thinking the same thing. I think things he goes here. there, and then he joins like the Orlando City or SKC coaching staff or something random like that. I could see him being like a youth coach or something. Anyways, kind of a. I, I can't think of a specific moment, but he feels like just the epitome of the MLS iceberg. Like kind of like one of those villain, like it's one of those dudes when you think of like twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen MLS used to tear the league up when he was with SKC. He was a, I remember I was scared to play SKC when he was there. Think about how the league has evolved, and I mean I should be scared of SKC since they just torched us this year too. But yeah, Dom Dwyer. I remember, remember people were excited that he got his. Nash, like he became a U.S. citizen. I was just going to bring that up. Remember, he scored like one free kick or like something like that for the U.S. Legendary. Legendary man right there. Anyways, back to the playoffs. We have, do we have any more games to go over? Was that it? We've gone, we've talked about all the eliminated teams. We've, we've done our due diligence. We've covered... We got some spicy games coming up. Also, currently, as we're recording this, Columbus and Atlanta are playing, and Columbus is up 4-2 against Atlanta right now. So We'll probably get the final score by the end of this By podcast. the time we finish. I, I will, think we both have Columbus going through there anyways. We absolutely do. Real quick, we missed a very important game. What's that? The little boy. <laughs> From Rosario played a meaningless friendly at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale and lost actually. <laughs> uh, Miami and New York City FC played a friendly to celebrate the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> MLS with an active Ballon d'Or player at the Premier League with zero, and Miami loses at home two one to New York. You love it. You absolutely love it. Miami with a good squad probably their best team honestly yedlin alba calendar kamal miller uh gomez busquets farias and it's messi. Al- it's already gonna be talked about extensively but miami just bolstering their squad even more looks like luis suarez is all but confirmed at this point who uh some guy that likes to bite people uh <laughs> and then it's rumored which I, I have a hard time seeing this one. The poor man's David Teixeira. Remember that? <laughs> that's a deep pull right there. <laughs> that's a that's an MLS. It's an iceberg right there, dude. But uh, no, then they're also linked with Luka Modric. So then we would have two active Ballon d'Or winners. Be hilarious. In MLS. That one I don't see happening, personally. I don't either because... He's, it'd be weird having this just crew of like Barcelona players and then poor old Luka Modric just on his own. Like I could just see him just like eating at a table like by himself at the Miami training facility. 
like Luis Suarez like shooting spitballs at him as he like walks by or something. <laughs> this is middle school. Remember we went on that middle school rant uh, about a month or so ago of just different <laughs> scenarios about MLS. Oh man, yeah, yeah that's I, I'm I'm afraid to see Miami next year. I think it's going to be a scary prospect. I know you disagree, and I think you no. want to see like this team fail, and I do too, actually. I think they'll be great, but I don't think they're just going to dominate every single game. I think so how Miami was in the League's Cup, how they looked unbeatable, except for against Gary Smith's defense at Nashville, but I don't think it'll look like that the entire season. Maybe for stretches, but I think it'll look kind of like post-League's Cup Miami a bit like they where they'll be beatable because they'll be much more I think they'll be beatable they'll have to rotate more because you know the average age of their team is 45 um I was gonna say they're, they're gonna they're gonna have to like rotate for all these competitions they're playing in they're not gonna be healthy I don't think they they're gonna be in Champions League as well League's Cup as well U.S. Open Cup U.S. Open Cup MLS playoffs if they make it obviously but I will say, like, all these young players they signed this year are going to be entering their second year. A lot more used to the league, used to their surroundings. It's going to be a scary thought. It's going to be a scary thought when Bill Neville, the next head coach of the Portland Timbers. Let's get into it. Or should we should we save this one for last and talk about the other sackings that occurred? Let's save it because I feel like I might rant about you're, you're gonna go Phil hard Neville on this for a little bit. A um, couple head coaches have been dismissed as well. We've got Charlotte FC. We'll talk about them first because this one did happen first, actually. They announced Christian Latanzio has been relieved of his duties at Charlotte FC. Made the playoffs for the first time in club history. Three days later, got bounced from the playoffs for the first time in club history. <laughs> what do you have to, What do you say? It kind of felt like it was coming. Like, I think just about everybody knew, like, Charlotte hasn't been good enough for what their fan base is. And it feels like they probably should be better off. Like, it feels like they they have the financial backing. They have, um, I don't even want to say they have the core because their team isn't that good. But... It's similar, I think, to the Toronto situation where it's a lot easier to replace the coach than it is to replace the whole team. So it's easier to be like, all right, man, you got to go. Like, this hasn't worked, rather than to, like, have a serious look at it and think, like, this whole team sucks. We got to replace all these guys. <laughs> Players to replace Bill Tuiloma. And I hate to do this as a Timbers fan, but our boy hasn't really fared too well over there in Charlotte. A little bit of the first season jitters. You good, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Should I get you a oh man throat? What was the thing you said Brian Schmetzer would say? A throat lassage? <laughs> Lozenge. <laughs> throat I don't know. Lassage. I don't know. I don't. I call them cough drops like a normal human being. You know, I was actually walking through Target two days ago, yesterday, and I saw a pack of Hall's throat lozenges. It was labeled that. Yep. I almost sent it to you. Wow. You should have, man. I don't believe... I'm a Ricola guy myself, so... We're going to get shut down because of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, man, you know what's funny was this is going to be edited, but we took like a five-minute break in the middle of that because I had to use the bathroom. And immediately, <laughs> just the first time I can even remember doing this podcast, your br- voice just like broke down <laughs> as soon as we come back. <laughs> um, it's happened many a times where like I feel like I'm going to burp or like I have something in my throat, but I kind of power through and I'll just let you talk for a minute. We're pretty good about that. That didn't happen that time. It just <laughs> like snuck up on me. I've been kind of fighting off like a cold recently. I've been trying not to just cough into the mic, but now that everybody knows, I'm just going to proceed to cough into the mic for the rest of this podcast prayers for chase um <laughs> no but so tui loma obviously they spent a lot of money like right before the season started like two weeks before actually they yeah, spent a great time to bring in a starting center back for your team so 900 up to 900 gam was sent which is basically mls fake money if you don't know what that is um, it's monopoly money for there's, MLS. There's no way we're going to be able to describe that. <laughs> this is like episode 39 General of allocation money. Um, so 500K in 2023, 300K in 2024, and then an additional 100K in 2025 if conditions are met. But I, <laughs> basing off of his form, so Tui Loma hasn't logged a single minute for Charlotte as a sub even, let alone starting since... July 15th, a 2-0 loss. And Yikes. for a team like Charlotte that isn't really that great, it doesn't really bode well. He did log 73 minutes for New Zealand in their 2-0 loss against Australia last month. Go on, you all-whites. And he created two scoring attempts. That's always been his strength, weirdly enough, is his <laughs> goal-scoring I used to say this when he was at the Timbers. I w- thought we should have paired him with Diego Chara in the midfield. Guy was just a bruiser, but not the best, like, one-on-one. So I think if he had, like, a like a back line to cushion behind him and you just let him, like, try and be a bruiser and just, like, ping the ball upfield. Because he was really good at passing. Like, he had a great long pass on him, a great free kick. I want to say he started as a... Didn't that he was his, his position. He didn't play that for the Timbers, but that was like one of his positions he played before he came to the Timbers, I believe. When they bought him, right? Was, it was like He played CDM, center back, and like right back, I think, at some point in his career as well. Yeah, I definitely remember him slotting in as a right back, but weird. Best free kick taker you'll ever see, though, weirdly enough. Better than uh, Messi? I mean, how many free kicks has Messi scored in MLS regulation? <laughs> I was going to say James Ward-Prowse because that's actually like my favorite free kick taker of all time. But prime Giovinco, though. That's tough to beat. I'll do you one better. Darisario? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> prime Darisario. Hey, on a real though, other than the, the Roberto Carlos free kick uh, for Brazil... And then there was that one scored in like the Indian League or something. It was a Puskas winner. Do you remember? It was like it had a wicked just swaz on it. Yeah, they fill their ball with like half helium though. So <laughs> it won the Puskas award, and we know FIFA's not corrupt. But <laughs> dude, De Rosario, maybe the I'm, I'm going to give him third best ever free kick. I'm going to give him best ever free kick. <laughs> All right, I, I that. it doesn't even cross my mind that there's a free kick better than that. We've talked about that before. But anyways, back to <laughs> Bilatulioma and his free kick ability. 
Um, I want to know where Christian, not Christian Fuchs, Christian Latanzio left Charlotte. What the heck does Charlotte do? So we've talked about That's right. what they can do personnel-wise. Who's a name you can see joining them? Brad Friedel. Do you think, oh gosh, that guy was <laughs> terrible, dude. That guy was awful. I I mean, okay, I'm looking at coaches who have MLS experience. And when you look at the, you know, like the cream of the crop here, I don't think Charlotte gets any of these guys. Bruce Arena. Right. I don't think they get him. Gio Savarese. Intriguing. I could see him going there maybe, but I think he's built up enough stock in MLS. He has a choice of clubs. Um, Caleb Porter. Same reason as Gio. Adrian Heath. Weirdly, I can see that one. Happening. I could see him going there. I could see Adrian Heath going to a Charlotte and kind of making a project out of it. I, I could feel like I could see him trying to do the same thing he did at Minnesota where he just gets everybody's hopes up for the five years. <laughs> you know, we bag on Adrian Heath, but he kind of... It took him a couple years. Minnesota was shambles those first couple seasons with him. But he steadied them, I'd say. that He made them a solid team. Never a great team, but a solid team. This would be right in line with this guy's career, but Robin Frazier, just give him another crap team <laughs> that he can be a head coach of and just watch him fail and then fire him. He would have more, you would think, more spending power, though, here. This would be a bigger job. Do, do you think he's going to go down as, like, the most unlucky coach <laughs> In MLS, like he's still he just goes, he always gets these jobs, but like Chivas to Colorado, terrible teams. He's gonna go to Charlotte, he's lose, gonna, get sacked. <laughs> then he's gonna go to Chicago Fire. <laughs> then oh, he'll he'll man. have like a bang average season with the Vancouver Whitecaps, win a Canadian <laughs> Cup, and then no, I'm kidding. Um, that's so sad. Man. So I don't know if this has been mentioned, but. 11 coaches have been fired this year in MLS, which is a record for the league. So I was going to suggest um, Robin Frazier as well. Um, <laughs> I, You know what I see them doing? I, Hernan Lasada, I feel like, to me, I can see being like a Charlotte hire. You know what I mean? some discipline in that club. <laughs> they had Miguel, what was his name? Ramirez, the the. Pep Guardiola lookalike guy. Oh. And it was a similar thing. He kind of got fired for what seemed like animosity in the locker room in their first ever season, which is wild to me. But I feel like they could go with like a Hernan Lasada who could, you know, get a tight grip on that locker room. Actually, I don't see that. They already made with their mistake. Guys with the, into shape. They made their mistake with a bad just man management manager. Yeah. I uh, I don't know where they go from here, but I could definitely see it being Robin Frazier. Either him or um, Adrian Heath are like the two that I feel like I could really see going in there. Ezra Hendrickson? I don't think he leaves Chicago. He got fired, remember? Yeah, but I think he's. I don't think he goes anywhere else. Like that's just <laughs> Chicago guy. Like I think he sticks on, tries to be like an assistant coach or something there. Well, he's already gone. Do you think he would? They fire him and he'd. Not, are you thinking Frank Klopas? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I got <laughs> no, him mixed no, up. No, that with... guy will never leave Chicago Fire. That's right. Yeah, Ezra. Ezra... <laughs> Stupid name. <laughs> Ezra Hendrickson. I... Maybe. He's... Maybe they go for him. He's but... another well-respected, you know. 
I don't know, man. It's just a. It's I have a hard time talking about Charlotte for some reason. I feel like I can never like can't get a read on that club. There's not much to build around. Dare I say? Like when you look at the roster, there's all right pieces, but is there more than like three players you'd be like, all right, if I'm starting a club, this is a player like I need to like build around in the eleven. Swiderski, although I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back to Europe and just be finished with all this. Jaswiak's been a bust. Ben Bender's been decent, but is Ben Bender like like a building piece for a club? I don't think so. Probably not. Um, they have that super young kid that's scoring in the U twenty or U seventeen World Cup right now. Maybe maybe Charlotte should just bump up their next pro players because their next pro team is solid. Crown legacy. That's right, man. Well, they got Enzo Capetti. Um, didn't really light it up, although he didn't have a terrible year. Brant Brodico. <laughs> Messi's worst nightmare. You know who they hire? They hire Ryan. <laughs> he got dude. He he made them almost supporter shield winners in our FM save, and only to be <laughs> pipped by me at the <laughs> last day of the season. Chase just wanted to bring up on the pod <laughs> our poor buddy Ryan. Yeah, had a dynasty with Charlotte, and then at the last second, Chase beat him for the Shield. He had an insane record, and then at the very end of the season, my team just got insanely hot. And then you both lost first round. Yeah, first after, round of the after playoffs. I got fired. Poor Ryan's gonna be riding his exercise bike, and you're just gonna kill his <laughs> his evening <laughs> with that remembering it. I'm trying to look at other players that they could. Uh, they, they, they just. I think they almost need a new front office because we talked about it earlier in the season. They maxed out their uh, like U twenty two initiative spots, and then they they signed another guy that they had to have play on their crown legacy team, which is probably why they're doing so well because they have a guy who, from like all records, is supposed to be like a star MLS player quality who's like twenty twenty one. And they're having him play on their B team because they just don't know how to build a roster. Which I, don't, I mean, I don't blame them. Like, <laughs> I think I would probably struggle in that job as well. If I was Charlotte, you're right, the owner or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little premature to maybe blow up the front office again. But <laughs> if next season doesn't go well, they need to pull out like an FC Cincinnati blueprint and hire a good like FO, like how they brought in that Philly entourage to Cincinnati. Yeah. A group that knows how to win. Maybe like Columbus, I'd be calling what is it, Tim Bezpachenko. Who's yeah. the something like that. Something like that. Or I mean, I know Seattle's front office has already been picked apart, but they've been pretty successful for Craig Weibel. Yeah. I could see that happening. They just get keep getting poached from all these teams from the South. <laughs> they have Garth Lagerway go to Atlanta. They had Chris Henderson go to Miami. Now they have another one go to Charlotte. That'd be funny. It'd be hilarious. Make them regional powerhouses. Um, who else? Who else is looking for a coach right now? Montreal. <laughs> Their sixth head coach in six years has been fired. Uh, Hernan Lasada. For me, we talked about this right at the beginning when he was hired. This just didn't make sense. They lost Wilfred Nance. Who was their guy? Like, he was brought up from there. He learned how to coach in Montreal. And this was a guy who was a part of the culture. 
Well, apparently there was disagreements at the beginning of last season or the end of last the year before, and Wilfred Nancy leaves to Columbus, which he's been very successful, and Montreal needs a coach. They go for Hernan Lasada, the guy who lasted, what, a year and a half, or was it just half a year at D.C., and his players at D.C. were happy to see him go because he would be criticizing things like their diets on their Instagram pages and stuff like that. And I don't know. I don't think he's a terrible coach. I don't think he's really proved that he is, but just confusing to me that like that that's your guy. Like really like Caleb Porter was available. I think that would made much more sense for Montreal. Yeah. We're Caleb Porter. I mean, he's still, he's still available. But you know who I think they should go for, um, which might be hard. They'd have to splash some splash some uh, cash to get him. Alessandro Nesta. He played there for a year or two, a right? Year. I was just thinking because I feel like Montreal is the type of club to go out and get like a random European manager, like how they had Thierry Henry. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so Alessandro Nesta played there for a year. Um, he currently coaches, I don't even remember the name of the team, some Italian second division team that I think he may have got promoted. Um, but he's said in like multiple interviews that he wants to coach in MLS, that he likes the structure of MLS, the patience of clubs. Um, and Montreal wasn't really that patient with uh, Hernan Lasada, but he... um. He's a coach, I think, if they could put in some money and they could kind of pitch an, uh, an idea to him and, and give him some money to play with, I could definitely see them pulling him back over him. He's already been to Montreal. He knows what the city is like. He had to live there for a year. I think that would probably be the easiest club for him to come back to if he was going to come back to MLS. Um, he's already semi-familiar with the city. Um and he's expressed interest in coaching MLS. So if you could kind of pry him away from the project he's in right now and explain to him that you have a, you know, a more exciting project, then I think you absolutely should do it. I mean, the only thing is he hasn't been at this club for very long. He's only started there June 10th. Um, and I mean, he's only on like a one or two year contract or something like that, but that would be my pick. If if I was the Montreal FO, I'd be seeing what we could do to get him to sign for us. I'm going to do you one better. And I'm going to throw a name out there that they're both he's another Italian. He's a well-respected coach. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Antonio Conte? No. He's a free agent right now, so <laughs> um Carlo Ancelotti. Actually, no. Italian. He's not. No way he comes to. His wife is from Canada, and he owns a home in Canada, actually. He's hinted about coaching the national team. He's isn't talked he, about it. Isn't he taking over Brazil's national team at the end of the year? That's been the rumor, but the, none of that's actually official. I don't think. No, it's not. It's I not. thought they had signed him already, and he's going to take it over at the end of the year. No, I just, uh, just fact-checked it because I do remember that. Yeah, he is... At Real Madrid, obviously, currently. But to me, I don't see this happening, but it's a name I feel like I would see linked with the Montreal job. His, Like I said, he's talked about this. 
if anything, this would be Vancouver because that's where his home is actually at. He's been at Whitecaps games, supported the club before, and good get rid of old Muppet boy up there. <laughs> he loves the country, but if a team like Montreal was to throw some serious cash at him and his wife is from the country, he has roots here now in Canada, here, I should say there. Montreal is a club where I see like feel like the culture could use somebody like Ancelotti. I don't see this ever happening, by the way. But yeah, I don't think that would happen. I think he gets the Brazil job. The only thing that's keeping him from getting that right now is the uh, interim coach they have is an extremely interesting person who's actually a really good coach, um, Fernando Denise Denise. I don't know how you say his last name. You know anything about this guy? He, I would love to see this guy come to MLS. I just think he's kind of beyond that at this point. Um, he's like one of the most exciting coaches in the world right now. I'm assuming you haven't heard of him. Sorry, he, we just got delivered some hot chocolate, <laughs> so I was in the zone. Fernando Denise. Denise. Um. This is like a weird offshoot that has no relation to MLS whatsoever. But he is a... Uh, I'm just going to drink my Coors Light and hot chocolate at the same time. Um, like, so he coaches... He coached Fluminense before he went to the Brazil national team. And he coaches the most unique style of soccer you'll probably ever see. He creates, like, overloads on one side of the field where you'll have nine of the 11 players just like within 10 yards of the touchline, super close to each other. And they there's like no positions. He coaches like zero positions. He just has everybody go. It's like schoolyard soccer, but it works. It's really cool. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it says, I don't know if this is official or not, because a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's going to coach them next season, but I don't see like an official announcement anywhere. It's weird. So I'm going to take your word on this, he's, and I'm going to take this rumor this other guy has been really successful with brazil so far so i think that's why you probably haven't seen enchilotti confirmed because um maybe pending i think it's pending because he was he's kind of revolutionary and when you look at like the brazilian style like brazilian players are very like expressive and i think if you were to bring in a an enchilotti who's like very system based and like wants guys to play a role doesn't exactly agree with like this other random brazilian dude is like just go out there and play. Just like sounds like sounds like Hernan Lasada, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I take back my Ancelotti to Montreal thing. I'm gonna save that for next year when he gets fired from Brazil, and <laughs> Vanny Sartini is gone. <laughs> Some chocolate, hot chocolate okay. down the wrong pipe. <laughs> Are you laughing at my comment? Or both? That and also I'm just looking at some of the rumors on transfer marked. Joseph Martinez linked with Luton Town. <laughs> Why would he step down, dude? <laughs> so it's John Tolkien rumored with Sheffield United. <laughs> dude, so you know these aren't true at all. But yeah, Montreal. Who's a realistic? I, I honestly think Nesta. If they if they realistically put some money into it, I think they could get Nesta. If you're looking at just free agents right now, um, within MLS. Caleb Porter, um, Geo. I think Geo would be great at Montreal. I, dude, I'm just 
Montreal nuked their entire team when the one of the only years they've ever been good, and it's just so confusing to me, man. But Gio is such a big presence, and yeah. like increases the morale of a team. Like I don't know if you remember like how much the morale around the Timbers changed when he joined. Like he, the club just seemed in a really really good place, and I think he would bring like such a spark to them for like the next two years. <laughs> That's like that's a long career for a coach in Montreal. Well, that's I mean I think at minimum two years. Like he would bring a spark of like an improved morale, um, while they kind of rebuild the roster. If that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just don't know, man. It's just weird to me what Montreal does. I I would I think that would be a good hire. You're right because he is a very like. Think about how crappy the Timbers were the last two seasons and how it still pained us to like talk about like Geo leaving, right? Yeah. But Montreal's coaching history, I want to go through real quick. So their first season, 2012, they had Jesse Marsh, actually. Um, lasted till the end of that season. They fired him that <laughs> right at the end of that season. Then they had Marco Schalbaum, lasted one season. They had Frank Klopas, who actually lasted a year and a half. Then they had Mauro Biello, who lasted two years, about. They had Remy Gard, who lasted about a year and a half. Wilmer Cabrera, who lasted about three months. Not even, about two months, actually. Thierry Henry, who coached one full season. Wilfred Nancy, two years. Then Hernan Lasada for another. So they've pretty much had a coach every single year. The longest like being Chelsea. The longest being about two seasons. Like Chelsea, minus the success. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I mean, what can they do from here, realistically? Stick with somebody, I feel like. like Sign they, a coach. They had the dream coach, the guy who was from their own knew the whole, you know, DNA of the club, was familiar with it, spoke the language. Uh, was an academy coach, like, the ideal candidate, and then there was disputes with the FO. If you can't make that guy work, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a mess of a club at this point. But what, I mean, I don't care too much about it. It's not my team. (laughs) I feel bad for Montreal fans. No uh, love lost. No, I don't know. That's that's kind of a easy cop out answer there. But I just I feel like we're, I mean not really the same as Charlotte, but similar to me. Like I don't. This is a club without a an identity right now to me personally. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I mean Bryce Duke. They like need. <laughs> I think it's similar to a lot of clubs like you pick a coach that you believe in and you stick with them. Like that's what I loved about the Timbers of geo is it didn't work out the past couple of years, but they stuck with them because that was like the DNA of our club at that point. And we believed in him and we wanted to see if he could see it through. You believe in them like through the tough times and Montreal doesn't really have the patience for it, which is wild <clears throat> last, but certainly not least the biggest club in MLS, the Portland Timbers have hired Fizzer, Phil Neville. Oh, Phil Neville. 
What do you have? What do you have to say? My watch heard me say <laughs> Phil Neville and thought that I was trying to call somebody named Phil Neville. I don't even know where to start with this whole... I mean, I've ranted to you. I've ranted to our other friends about... Because we haven't really talked about this on the pod. Mm-mm. Um, so Phil Neville, for those who don't know, um, is, a, is the co-owner of Salford was a City a soccer FC. player who played... In the Premier League, uh, you know, he's he has a brother who is a lot better than him. They're both <coughs> outside backs. You got Gary and Phil Neville. Played for that great Manchester United team back when, like, Beckham was there, yada, yada. Moved on to Everton. Had a bang average Premier League career. Still thought about today because his brother was, like, probably one of the best outside backs in Premier League history. Um, Well, are you going to give me some Phil Neville slander? 505 appearances in the Prem with a whopping f- nine, five goals. Nine goals. <laughs> I mean, I know he's a fullback. It's not. <laughs> Dude, I think Trent scores that much in like a a season. <clears throat> All right, carry on. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so Phil Neville had a playing career, yada yada. Co-owner of Salford City, winner of the Jimmy Murphy Young Player of the Year in 1994. <laughs> He began his coaching career while he was at United, I guess. Technically, he got his coaching license there. Um, There's a big push back in the day um, to get players coaching licenses, coach some youth teams. First real senior coaching job he got on his own was the English women's national team, to which uh, he had a 54% win percentage. Not bad for a coach. But when you put it into perspective of one of the few countries in the world that has their own women's like professional league and just the soccer culture and the culture around like that society, like a lot more accepting to like women's sports. You kind of expect them to be one of the more successful teams in the world. Um, So not too impressive. Gets a job with inner Miami. 38% win percentage. Played 90 games, won 35, drew 13, lost 42. Looks like our pro club's record. (laughs) (laughs) Means it's time for us to sign Messi. Oh, man. But with some side gigs uh, at Valencia and some... Assistant coach there. Yep. For his brother. (laughs) Had a failed, failed tenure there. But... I'm just trying. I don't. I'm trying to think like where to really dive into this. When when you look at Phil Neville, um, there's a lot, a lot of controversy around him, for stuff that has happened in his past. But when I look at him as a coach, I just am so uninspired. He was pretty terrible with Inter Miami. You're forgetting his most recent and his biggest coaching experience. He was an assistant coach on the Canada men's soccer team for the Gold Cup and the Nations League final. Carry on. Which they lost both. (laughs) It's just, it seems like such an uninspired move for the Timbers. I remember we, we talked about it on the podcast, off the podcast, about who were the options, who the Timbers could bring in. We felt they had a big pull because they're a successful club. 
They have one a of huge the fan clubs. bases. Um, you know, there's there's money to spend. There's DP spots that are coming up. It felt like everything was lined up for us to get a really exciting coaching hire. And then Phil Neville gets announced by him stepping over. That's that stupid video of him, like, stepping over Providence Park, like, coming into the pitch. They deleted that. <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it got ratioed, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like every post I've seen, no, whether it's on MLS, it's on another source, it's on, the like, the Timbers account, it's been pretty much received in, like, a very negative manner. Um, and, you know, as a Timbers fan, I hope he does well. Like, I, I hope he does well. I hope, like, he proves me wrong. But when you look at the state of our club, we need to we need to be successful with our DP signings. Um we need to develop like young players. Um, and he doesn't have any experience in that. Uh, Miami, I guess he kind of turned around like Higuain for the last like three months of his career, but he doesn't have any su- experience or success in developing young players. Um, and it just, it kind of makes you really discouraged with Ned Grabovoy as like the GM for the Timbers that he had all this pull and all this leeway and like all this to draw in a, and a really good coach. And he went with Phil Neville. By the way, I want to point out we're Timbers fans, obviously. So we want to talk about this, but this has been the biggest coaching media coverage. The league, any team in the league has gotten with all these vacant and rumored coaches because of all the, you know, Hufflepuff around the situation. Um, I try to think of <laughs> man's some British. Throwing in some, <laughs> man's throwing in some Harry Potter <laughs> references. Um, no, you're right. Um, you're right about everything you've said so far, I think. And I'm rooting for him. I watched the entire press conference he did, actually, his opening conference. And he's a pretty likable guy. Like, when he's actually speaking, I know he gets memed on for being, like, a, a jerk to the press, which... I mean, he kind of was, but when he's actually talking and I was listening to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast with Ryan Clark and uh, Chris Reifer. I don't know if you've heard that one, but they were saying like, yeah, he kind of checked all the like the new coach hire boxes, like talked about the history and the admiration for the fans and said certain things, you know, you'd expect him to say, but I don't know. I'm... I'm excited just for a new era, I think, of Timbers soccer. We've been in the Geo era for a while. We've been spoiled with some exciting years. We've had some bad years the last couple. I think for your point about youth development, no, he doesn't have a track record of that. But to be fair, Portland never has. So if they can, you know, meddle along in spite of that, I think they can do that. And he talked about in his conference, he he needs to hit on those two DPs. He talked about how important it is. He talked about if you're winning and competing for games in MLS, you need your DPs to be successful. So he's got Evander, and he's got two open spots. So I'm curious to see what this offseason looks like. That's the big question. Like, that's the huge question mark around the Timbers is, like, it's already the the deed is done. We have Phil Neville. Now we need some intelligence to actually like strike our front office and hit these these next two signings right. 
and the sooner the better, honestly. Like them, and I think that's the good thing about hiring him this early. Was yeah, he has plenty of time to work. Yeah. Um, but that that's probably the the most important thing is like St. Louis proved that when they brought in all their signings like a year before they're in the the league. Like, you get these guys in early and you get them acclimated and you make you make them feel welcome and used to the city and the facilities and everything before the season starts you'll start off like at a way higher pace than if you sign you know like charlotte did with tulioma sign a center back two weeks before the season starts (laughs) um and sadly i don't know if i can see the timbers doing a signing like super early i don't it doesn't seem like our it's not really our way (laughs) feels like we're gonna wait a really long time and probably try and hash out like the fine details of like you know, an extra $50,000 or something that's like meaningless in the long run. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really uninspired as a fan. Like I'm excited. I was really excited leading up to like signing a coach of like this new era of a Timbers. And now I'm just very like uninspired. And I agree. I think he had like a good press conference and he sounded, he did all the, he said all the right things. Um, but I think any new coach can go in there and do that. Very true. Um, a couple of interesting things from that conference was he talked about his time in Miami and he mentioned like the, the sanctions that were on the, the team. And he was saying like how the first year, yeah, they had the biggest sanctions in league history, which is technically true actually, because they were cheating the year before with their roster. So he was under the tack a little bit, but, they made the playoffs. They got spanked. Okay. I don't think anybody would blame him for like that being a weird first year. This last season where he got canned and he had he was in dead last ahead of Toronto, ahead of Colorado. He was behind those teams uh, ahead, of, I should say, in the wooden spoon race. But he was mentioning how he didn't have DPs who were healthy. And that's also technically true. This is before the messy revolution. And... He even mentioned with the English women's team how, like, they, they won the She Believes Cup, actually. So they did win something at England, um, came up short at the World Cup where they lost to the USA, which he said that was the greatest USA women's team ever, which, you know, debate that if you will. So his point in all of that was, all right, like, judge me now like he he said in his own words he's on like a level playing field with all the other coaches because there's no sanctions and mls is a league where pretty much every team has a shot right so i thought that was kind of interesting which is trying to pull the robin frazier card and (laughs) be like uh, you know i was like screwed over at all these other jobs i didn't have a good opportunity sort of i mean that's kind of what he said in a you know in a much more formal way another thing that was interesting was the timbers gm grabovoy mentioned for dps they're looking at either a center forward or an attacking winger do you think that's the priority or (laughs) no we need a center center back um i could see why they would go for a winger because um yemi chara is leaving but i mean and I guess when you look at our other wingers, like Aspria is not getting any younger. We got Anthony. Marvin Luria doesn't really. I forget he's even on the team, doesn't dude. Doesn't really, like, produce. Um, 
Santi Moreno is better through the center of the field. He might have said, mentioned a center back, but it wasn't as a DP. So I, I will add that. I think we we should splash the cash on a center back, um, as a DP. But I mean, center forward, yeah, that's that's the one thing I think we really need. And I love Felipe Mora. I think he's a great piece to have. But I almost feel like he should play like the Maxi Urudi role back when we had Fernando Adi. Like, just comes on and like does his job when we sub him in, but isn't like our starting go to guy. But if like we need him throughout the season, he can do that. Right. That was like this is off topic. That was one of my most favorite times as like a Timbers fan because we could kind of like change up our style of play based on our opponent with like two different forwards that played completely different styles, and it was just fun to see like, like see, how, <laughs> see how <laughs> see how we were gonna you know address each game. So in conclusion, what do you what do you give this grade? What do you give this higher if you were to give it a grade, A through F, for the Timbers? Phil Neville. It, it's hard because it'll change based on the signings. Um, because right now, with like where the squad is at, the other options that are out there, I would say like a D plus. It's about where I was. I was thinking between a D and a C. So yeah, I'd say like a D D plus. Um, I mean. He, that's a good point. Like he has, hasn't really been tested at the club level. Like he wasn't given the fair shake at like Miami because he just didn't ever really have like DPS. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's a fair statement. But and he also just got canned right before they brought in Messi and all these other guys. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It's not. It could be worse. That's what I was thinking. I think his time at Miami. Although there is better options, although this is not the one who I would pick, I think his time at Miami is slightly misleading because he had a weird hand dealt. That being said, he shouldn't have finished last in the conference before he got sacked. Yeah. There's no real excuse for that. But yeah. one of the other things is this is mostly wishful thinking, but this is the first big name coach for the Timbers. I'd say one of the biggest names coach-wise in the league right off the bat just because of his pedigree. I mean, the thought process is that he would be able to pull in some players because of his relationship and his name and his pedigree. Do you think that's like a consideration for the team or is that just... I hope not. It's not like the Timbers' DNA. Um, And I feel like the players that he would bring in wouldn't be good give me a name i already know who you're thinking you've been saying it all week you you want like a (laughs) in the chat like a jesse lingard and like a phil jones phil jones not a bad shout jesse lingard absolutely horrible david de gea i don't think we could afford him you don't think i mean this guy's unemployed man he was earning like three hundred eighty thousand dollars a week at man united that's insane money. And I'm sure he would go down from that, but I think he could also get picked up at quite a few clubs in Europe. Totally. Totally. However, why? Do you think do you think he has that much pull with David De Gea? No, but I'm saying there's <laughs> exactly. a connection there. Very little connection of like, "Hey, I used to play at Man United. You just got they, 
Wouldn't they have overlapped? Let go by Man United. No overlap. But yeah, I was going to say. I I don't know. I mean, I could see us bringing in a big player. I don't necessarily want that to be the case because I, I feel like we need to catch up to, like, the Phillies and, um, like, Philadelphia, the Dallases, the other teams that, like, bring in, like, Atlanta even with Almada, like, bring in young stars that you can sell on and make money. And that hasn't really been our DNA. It's been, like, we bring in – we were the first team to really bring in guys, like, in their prime, like, star players in their prime with Diego Valeri. Um, and it's it just seems like you almost have to go younger and younger now. The league's getting so much younger, and I think, like, when you hold on – like, I could see us – like, I don't even know who we'd bring in, but I just – I really don't want to see that happen. I, You know what I would love to see the Timbers do? is like clean the front office out and just start over. Like it's it seems like we haven't like our front office hasn't really been that good for about 5 years now. You think so? I mean, what's the last like real hit they had on like recruitment or signing? I think Moreno I don't think they're like the best signings like top tier, but I think Moreno, Mascara, and Bravo, the last three... You could put Evander, I guess, if you want in that category. The last three seasons have been above-average signings. I think Evander is probably the most exciting one. But then, like, Mascara, yeah, Moreno, everybody agrees he's a good player, but, like, still hasn't hit his potential three years in. Um, I would say, like, obviously Valeri is probably the biggest crowning accomplishment we've ever had of, like, a signing. I can't think of anybody else, like, any young players we brought in that we've developed, any other, like, star player. Blanco, to an extent, but he hasn't really accomplished the same amount. I would love to see us, like, make a big move for, like, a front office that has a way better ability of identifying, like, youth talent. So, would Like, that- Orlando SC, they have an insane ability of identifying strikers out of the draft. You're right, but that's a very niche thing. And since they've been in the league, Portland has definitely accomplished more since then. I think that's a. I agree with what you're saying, but I think Orlando's a. It's a low bar, and I love Orlando. That's my pick for MLS Cup 2023. But I'd rather have taken the Timbers last five years with random squads. Last five years of signings. Not. I'm not saying. Like, I'm not trying to compare where they finished to the play on the field, but when you look at, like, signings and players that we're bringing in. Like, we've had some stink, we've had some stinky signings, dude. You're right, but... Steven Taylor? <laughs> that was a little bit before, but you're right. But I think you have to look at the results because if they don't translate, yeah, you can look at Orlando being an, a great team on paper. They won the Open Cup. Like, that's a great accomplishment, but... I, so I guess that would be the theory, though, because they hired Jack Dodd, the Toronto technical director, and our chief of scouting or what? It, what it's some it high up position. Scouting. And the the idea would be to identify some talent. I was reading a really interesting. Uh, I don't know if it was an article or a thread on Twitter, so I can't really give any credit for this. Might have been even Reddit, but somebody was saying Timbers have been pretty good. 
at at signing talent and i mean they've had flops but every club has what really kind of killed them was the 2020 offseason where they signed or this the offseason leading up to the 2020 season they signed Nia's Goda and uh Yimmy Char as DPs two players who in their best seasons were like good MLS players i'd say i don't know if you would you agree with that like Nia's Goda's best year Char's yeah. best year good MLS player nothing more not a superstar by any means and that being the last few seasons of the char of the Valeri Blanco, we had a Bobasi at that point. We had a solid squad. Steve Clark, Mabiala was more in his prime. And if we had two signings that were great DPs, a lights out striker like a Yakumakis, a winger <coughs> that was really effective, like whoever you want to add in there. We probably would have won something. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at like a list of our signings. Like, so we had Anthony come in. Hasn't really done anything. Hasn't been enough time. Brian Acosta, smart signing. Miguel Araujo. We didn't even give him really a chance at all. We just threw him in like. Confusing one to me. But yeah. To kind of die. Nathan Fagasa. USL striker. Evander, good striker, good good player. Um, Mosquera, Eric Miller, solid. <laughs> Confusing move. Um, bunch of young guys we signed out of the draft. Frank Bowley kind of had to do that out of necessity at the time. Kind of funny they don't have his his transfer fee here. It's just a question mark. Um. <laughs> That's the whole signing, to be fair. <laughs> David Ayala, guy can't stay healthy at all. Hasn't looked like a world beater when he's been on the field. He's had a couple good games. Um, Santi Moreno, hasn't been a world beater. Been solid at some times. And then <laughs> look at some of these other ones. Re-signing George Foshive. <laughs> That's a rough one. Um, David Bingham, decent signing. This one sucks. Juan or Jose Carlos Van Rankin, <laughs> that was a terrible signing. Can you believe we started an MLS final with Van Rankin, Mabiala, and George Fashive in the starting eleven? Isn't that kind of wild. It's just nuts. It's nuts. And then going back even further than that, um, really nothing. Nothing. Like, I'm looking at 2020 now, uh, or 2021, I guess. Ishmaela Jome. That was the guy that we kind of had bouncing back and forth between T2 and Timbers for a while. Hunter Solt came up. Um, Logan Ketterer. Had a rough out. (laughs) Logan Ketterer not too long after that. That Um, guy was kind of a legend. Remember, that? Remember <laughs> yeah, his that first game, cool. he staved a PK or something like that? That was pretty it's... legit. Um, and then Felipe Mora, who's just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. But it's just been, for me, uninspiring. Like, I feel like we always get these players that have good highlight reels to post on Instagram, and then they don't perform for like three solid years before we just let them go. Like, that's what Yimmy Chara was. That's what I feel like this Antony player is going to be. 
Yimmy, I think, was more just connected with Diego. So right. Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong with any of those. I think, like I said, those are some those. There's a lot of misses in there, and some of it is tough because Nia's Goda, we you bag on the guy, but his first year he was pretty solid, and then he got injured, and then we lost Valeri and Blanco declined, and nobody could pass the ball to save their lives. Not saying he played great, but he's a striker who relied on service and. Portland sucks at that, so that was definitely a miss. But I think there's definitely potential there. Yimmy, I have so many sign. issues with <laughs> Zuperich. I think has been Nia's solid, Gota. not amazing. Definitely could be improved, but not a bad signing. I wouldn't say. You know who I'd say was probably our most exciting signing after Diego Valeri, Brian Fernandez. That was probably the most electric, most exciting signing we've had in our club's history since Diego Valeri. Not Blanco? Blanco, he's definitely a Timbers legend. Not Adi? But I, both Timbers legends, but I think if Fernandez could have stayed at the club, he would have surpassed both those guys. I think he would have been far more important to the Timbers than Blanco has been. Because Blanco, I mean, when he got his time to shine, he was he didn't really do a ton right off the bat, and then we got his time to shine. Wasn't really like didn't carry our team the same way that Valeri did. Yeah, maybe not. I think he had his moments, but he's just once again terrible with injuries. Like yeah, MLS's back tournament, Blanco was the man. He won the MVP of that, won us that trophy. Then he tore his ACL in Seattle. And right before playoffs and then MLS Cup run twenty twenty one, he powered us through, got hurt in the one of the games leading up to the final. Yeah. Which Yeah, I don't know. We're kind of we're we're a little bit spoiled kids here is what I'm gonna say. Because our team has been successful, but yeah. it's been a dark couple of years, I'd say. And that even being said, missed the playoffs by a point each season. It's not like they were in the cellar both years. We didn't watch three years of Wooden not spoons yet. or not, not yet. yet, not yet. Give us another season right here with Fizzer at the helm. Oh, Philly Nevs. Hey, if Phil Neville was listening. A little PN puts the PN and PNW. These podcast, <laughs> these podcasters, Jacob and Chase, host of the MLS Net Boys, we're rooting for you. Go on, Fizzer. What are the odds we get invited to press conference? <laughs> And we're around. That would be that hilarious. <laughs> we both have to just miss work. <laughs> Take a day off just to interview Phil Neville. I want to read a quote from his press conference. Um, he says, okay, the quote makes it sound like, like a different thing than what he actually said. But he said, I was lucky to have plenty of coaching opportunities to take, but my gut said straight away I had to follow this dream to become the head coach of the Portland Timbers. That's Phil Neville's dream. That's a lie. <laughs> There's two lies there. He did not have many opportunities. I he he probably I guarantee you Colorado Rapids called him up. I guarantee you some of those other teams who just recycle all these. You don't think like Montreal who Okay, you're probably right. Like Yeah, but it definitely wasn't his dream, but when you look when you look at Timbers compared to Montreal and Colorado, we're in a way better spot than both of those clubs. <laughs> 
No. When he actually said the quote, because I, I saw the quote online first, and people were making fun of him, obviously. But then when he actually said it, he it made it sound like, you know, he's assessing his options. Like, this would be the dream fit as opposed to these other clubs. And that's the way he said it. But uh, I just thought it was funny to read. He was talking about the comparisons. He's like, Portland reminds me a lot of Manchester because he's talking about, like, the weather and stuff like that. So it was interesting to me. I don't even – I have <laughs> – how sad is it that the two names we were being linked with are Robin Frazier and Phil Neville? Another interesting tidbit was somebody asked uh, Ned Grabovoy, Timbers GM, how many people they interviewed. He said they were in contact with 16 to 20 candidates. He said it was a wide range, international, MLS experienced, MLS head coaches who are under contract, which – that one interests me because that means somebody who is coaching currently they contacted they said they started their process right after Gia was sacked pretty much so you think they gave old Waza Rooney <laughs> no I was thinking Oscar Pereja that would have been the dream that would make a lot of sense honestly but we talked about that yeah no actually uh, one of those coaches was uh, Zinedine Zidane but <laughs> Ned Grabovoy turned him down who you mean the French... Uh, French Bulldog? <laughs> the French Paxton Pomicol? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope he does well. It'll be interesting um, throughout the offseason to see what happens. And the, the footprint he's going to leave on this team, because it's not as simple as, like, he's just going to coach the team for a few years. Like, the signings he makes um, have a long-lasting effect, and I think we've seen that recently with, like, the Blanco contract extension. Kind of tied our hands behind our back Shot there. themselves in the foot. Yeah, so I really hope they, they're they pretty smart about these signings because if not, it's going to be a dark... It's, it's weird to think about because it's easy to say, like, oh, like, it might be tough for a few years. It's, it could be a dark, like, next decade as a Timbers fan. <laughs> depending on what he does in these next two, three years. See, I don't think so, man. I don't think it's that drastic because we saw John Spencer stink it up for the Timbers, and then the next year after he left, Timbers topped the Western Conference. So Caleb Porter switched it up pretty quickly. Not saying I think Phil will do the same thing. Just imagine Phil Neville makes the same kind of signings that like Wayne Rooney did in D.C. Like D.C. has no hope for the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows it. Like I think some of their signings made sense. Benteke has been good. <laughs> For how much longer? He's like 35. No, he's like 32. Okay. And as a star striker in MLS, like, Lewis, he's got maybe another year. Lewis O'Brien signing a Premier League midfielder was a good signing, but they only got him for six months. Yeah. <laughs> he was on a short-term Like alert. a workaround of his contract. Um, yeah. I think, I think the Timbers, though, F.O., would be smart not to just sign a 37-year-old, you know, yeah, like washed up Danny Welbeck or whoever. Ned Grabovoy is going to get all giddy and excited just to meet some guys like that. But, I I mean, it's either, would you take that? I wouldn't. <laughs> but, I mean, it's pro we joke about this. It's just going to be some random signing from Argentina or South America and then an Eastern European experience. <sighs> Like defender, I hope we just go back to South America and 
bring in some like the next Diego Valeri. That's what we need. That's what Evander's supposed to be. We get the next Brian Fernandez. That's what we need. Shall we wrap this up with some predictions? We shall. We shall. We got only four games to predict over this next week. Conference semifinal action. Pretty wild that there's coming at you. Yeah, it's I mean playoffs seven like after, more games. After that first round, it's just kinda gonna blow by. So and uh it's been interesting. This whole first round is wrapped up. It's been an interesting process. As we finish this, Columbus has officially knocked out Atlanta. That's true. Columbus is in the next round. Atlanta season is over. We'll cover Atlanta the next week. That podcast. definitely lived up to being like the most exciting matchup out of all these first rounds. Like it went two 0 Columbus, then four two Atlanta in the second game, and now it just finished up four two Columbus. So definitely the most goals scored in we, any of the series. Not a super hard prediction, but me and you both kind of predicted that it would be a shootout in favor of the home team, and each home team won by two goals. Mm-hmm. Um. So now that the best of three is kind of over, what's your thoughts on it? I thought it was fun. I, I liked it. I liked it. I just hated the way they scheduled the games. Yeah, it, I wish it, they had the games more stacked, like and, same days. And I was, I've seen online people were advocating like Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, or something like that. You know, you know what time or something like that the games are at because it didn't really make sense to me the schedule wise. But the games I thought were fun. Yeah, it was a lot more fun. Uh, definitely brought a way different feel to playoffs. Like you saw teams really going for it because they had like saw a referee going for it <laughs> you had more leeway like i think it it lends itself to like a columbus atlanta like series of like three games where it's just these teams are not they're not really playing super conservative they're like really just going like all out trying to get these goals get wins um a lot more fun to watch in my opinion but anyways, we're on to the semifinals. In our first game, we have Sporting Kansas City versus the Houston Dynamo. Does Sporting KC keep this dream run going, or does Houston stomp it out? Houston at home. This is probably this is probably the two hottest teams in the league. We both had Houston going to the final, and I think I might be changing my mind because I thought they were going to come up against uh, St. Louis, and I thought St. Louis would kind of burn out at this point. I think I have SKC winning this. I'm going. I'm going two on Houston. I got SKC three to one. Wow. Okay. You want to explain yourself? I feel like Houston's going to burn out, and we kind of talked about it before. Like they're they they've been really hot. But I could just see, like, Peter Vermees is just going to, like, frustrate them. And I feel like, I mean, he he did it against St. Louis in that first game. He completely changed their style. He's always been the coach that wants to play a 4-3-3, dominate possession, keep the ball away. And then he went to St. Louis and he just said, here, keep the ball. We're just going to score fast break counterattacks on you. And they were lethal. Like, all their counterattacks were just pretty dang lethal. But they have the ability when they need to control the game, they can do that. So I could see them doing the same thing against this Houston team. I don't disagree, really. I'm going to stick with my original prediction, though, and go Houston winning. I think any other team, I would comfortably say Houston in the West, I think over Seattle and LAFC. But I think Kansas City, you're right. And they've had the most points in the West since May, so pretty much after their 10-game non-winning streak. Um, but for me, Houston, 
11 wins, two draw or two losses only at home and four draws along the way. They're really good at home and I just see that continuing personally, but I don't think your your decision is a wild one by any means. I think that's pretty spot. It on. just screams playoff upset to me. Anyways, next up we got LAFC going away to Seattle. I think the home field advantage is going to be huge. Seattle is going to irk out a 1-0 win with like a crap like long ball counter that like Jordan Morris gets clipped on his heel. It goes to VAR penalty in like the 75th minute. Um, Seattle seems to be squeaking out these one, you know, short. I mean, their defense is carrying them. I mean, not that they've been bad at all in attack, but their defense is definitely what's going to win them this game. I can definitely see that happening. It's like the Sounders way this year. I'm going to LAFC 2-0, though. I'm sticking with my original bracket. I think, I don't know. I, I can see them scoring. Like, you watch that game in Vancouver. Both games, I guess you could say. But especially the second leg. They had a very professional game. They took care of business. They got the goal on the road. Penalty kick. Buanga was causing problems in the box. They just got a lot of weapons that I don't think Dallas had. Um, and I can see Dallas exposing them. Like, I don't know if you remember the first leg of the Seattle-Dallas game, but Jesus Ferreira, I think it was, missed two absolute sitters in the box, like against Seattle. I don't think LAFC makes the same mistake. I agree. I can see that happening, but I think Seattle's home atmosphere is what's going to kind of carry them through here. But next up... Fight! And win. We got Cincinnati hosting the Philadelphia Union. I'm going Cincy 2-0. Pretty straightforward. I don't think... I mean, the only way I could see this being different is Chicago... Or, uh, not Chicago. <laughs> Jeez, what a shout out there. Uh, I could see Philly maybe getting like a consolation goal. But I think Cincy just holds on to it. Sergio Santos or Ray Gaddis revenge goal? <laughs> Not really. I'm going Cincy 3-0. Same thing as you. I can see it being 3-1. I think Cincy's going to... They knocked him, They got knocked out by Philly last year in the playoffs. I think this is like a changing of the guard moment here. Philly's kind of been the top dog in the East for the last few years. I think Cincy takes over. 3-0. We both got Cincy going through there. Next up, Orlando hosting Columbus. I already know what you're going to say. Orlando's home record. You're going to bring up their recent games against Columbus. Yada, yada, snooze. Columbus, 4-3. They're going in. Guns blazing. Wilfred Nance screaming on the touchline. Center back scoring bangers. Darlington Nagby doing his little spin thing he does to shield the ball in the midfield and hitting a five-yard back pass. Columbus masterclass. Oscar Pereja is going to grab that tissue right from your <laughs> that you're reading this script from and throw it beside him. That's some endless lore. No, I'm going Orlando 3-1. I think they've proven that they match up and they can handle Columbus. They've done it on the road. They drew, I should say, and they've taken care of business at home. One of them was a pretty wild game that I don't think was really 
something that will be replicated. But this is Orlando's time. They went on a cup run last year and won it. This is an experienced group now. Oscar Perea has been building up to this moment uh, in Orlando. He's been there for about four years now. And I think they get the job done. I think this, I don't know. I guess I was going to say this would be their biggest test. It definitely is so far. But I think you're right. You got 4-3. It could be a shootout. But they just took down Nashville's defense twice in a row. And I can see them doing the same. But they don't have Those the Those are two 1-0 games. And that first one took an absolute screamer of a goal to score that one goal at home against that, Nashville. That is true, but... I mean, if you look at Columbus, they had to, I mean, they won by two goals, but same thing, absolute screamer against a much worse defense. I don't know. I think it's a tight game. It's a really tight game. I see this back line eating up Duncan McGuire. You think so? I don't see any. <laughs> Duncan McGuire has been good, man. But the thing about Orlando is they have a lot of different weapons. They don't have one huge star player. If not him, you got Facundo Torres. You got Ivan Angulo. If not Pereira Cucho, you got Kevin Molino. You got but Maiton. Orlando's Orlando's defense is definitely a top, um, a higher. I would agree, tier. but I feel like Columbus has the pieces to really lock it down. They play a back three, and then Aiden Morris, like that guy on his day, has the ability to be the, one of the best, like like center mid slash CDMs in the league. I mean, he showed it when they won MLS Cup, and he was 20. He was, like, the best player on the field besides uh, Zellerion. So, if he turns up for it, I could see him just kind of locking up the midfield and shielding that back line really well. But that's where we defer. This is the first time we've disagreed on so many matchups in a while. You're right. So, I've got... A matchup of Houston and LAFC. It'd be LAFC hosting Houston uh, in the Western Conference Finals. And I've got Cincinnati hosting Orlando in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you got? I got Seattle hosting SKC in the Western Semi or Western Conference Finals. And then I would have Cincinnati hosting Columbus, which would be a tasty, tasty. Eastern Conference Final. So looking at it right now, you have Columbus winning MLS Cup versus Houston. Do you still think that's... I mean, obviously not if you got Houston losing. Oh, yeah, Houston losing out. So I think it would... I think Seattle would take that place. I think Seattle makes it to the final and then lose to Columbus again. Don't put me through another game watching Seattle Sounders <laughs> in the MLS Cup final. It's just the most like Sounders way to make it to the final as well. Just like just eking out these games. Like they have, I'll give it to them. Like they have that ability, just like squeeze out these results somehow. I mean, they were. Yeah, I don't want to say anything and just look like an idiot the next week. Never mind. I don't want. I don't want to bring up Seattle, man. <laughs> I I'm still going. Oh man. You still got a Houston Cincy final, right? Or Houston no. Orlando? Yeah, Orlando. I had Orlando beating Houston. I might change that to Cincy beating. I don't know. I'm not sure. You have to make a claim right now, and if you don't, then I get to take one thing from this room home with me. 
You can take the Celtic scarf at the bottom. <laughs> Anyways, I don't think we have anything anything else to go over. We got to start coming up with some more. And we have that list, and we have a lot of ideas, but we got to start coming up with some content. It feels a little weird to do it during playoffs, honestly, because it's like the most, it's like the climax of the year. So it's like feels like we kind of have to just dive in and like all the, you know, the signings of like managers, the sackings. It feels like that's silly season. Some important news and like give it two, three weeks, and then we can just start talking about random stuff again. Follow us on MLS Net Boys on or, Twitter. Is that it? That's the username, right? <laughs> it's not good that we don't know. <laughs> Producer like Isaac, what is it? It's the same logo. If you if you search it, it's the Twitter handle. <laughs> None of us know <laughs> what it is. Yeah, interact with us so we can actually uh, have a reason to. At MLS Net Boys, in sync too. It's like the first time. <laughs> That's how we should 40, start. 45 weeks of doing the podcast. <laughs> just start doing the intros in sync like that. Oh, man. We're well, almost, we're close to our intro, finally. That's true. Pretty soon. We might have an act. Season two will have an actual intro. We're ready to launch for season two. We'll be on the social media. We'll, now that we've got our groove, I feel like we can do it more. It's just season two. We'll have an intro. We'll have a Twitter. We'll have a that Twitter works and <laughs> that actually we, is engaged. That we all know the password to. Uh, <laughs> and your Houston Dynamo will be 2023 MLS Cup champions. Runner-ups. Yeah, that's what I actually have. So. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening. Phil Neville, come on the show. Phil Neville, stay away from my podcast. Phil Neville, come on the show. Keegan Hughes. Go back to Columbus, get your championship ring, and come on the show.